you're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbell. I initially started this podcast to learn more about the ins and outs of travel. Eventually, I discovered there's so much more to a person than where they go. My goal is to learn more from people who are going places. I've interviewed community leaders, entrepreneurs, veterans, authors, and experts who tell fascinating stories and give amazing advice. Thanks for tuning in, and I can't wait to see where you go. You're listening yeah, to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orvell, and today I'm talking to Amanda Relier Voss, and she is the owner and CEO of Like a Voss Social Media, and she is also the CEO of Remix. She is a social media manager and coordinator, and I'm super excited to dive in because she has a lot of great insight on both social media, entrepreneurship, and just how to succeed, how to overcome doubts. So it's going to be a great conversation. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, everybody, and thanks so much for having me. Super excited for this chat. (laughs) So let's start from the very beginning. Um, Growing up, what did you actually want to be? Okay, that's my favorite question ever. So (laughs) as like a, uh, I think up until the age of 10, I wanted to be a singer or a minister. Hmm. That's me why. Um, And then I wanted to be a teacher, and that was pretty much all um, through like grade school. And then once I got to high school, um, I was very, very, very heavy into music. So my instrument was B flat clarinet. I also played bass clarinet, alto, tenor sax, violin, sang in the choir. Uh, I'm a total music geek. Um, I wanted to be a second chair clarinet in orchestra, not first chair. Cause it's a little bit more pressure. I wanted to be second chair. <laughs> um, and that, was all I did. I practiced music seven hours a day. I did private lessons for piano, clarinet, and music theory. And then in grade, I think it was 11, um, my favorite music teacher quit and his replacement completely ruined the music program. So we went from Kiwanis level A uh, down to level C, which is just, you're not any good at that point, um, the whole uh, orchestra. And then she let juniors into senior band and anyway I just kind of totally turned me off because I wasn't being challenged enough anymore and I was doing prep for university um oh my god the word is escaping me what tryouts but oh yeah anyway auditions um yeah auditions thank you thank you uh yeah so I was prepping for my auditions and then I just like straight up quit and at that point I was getting really really into photography and I then was like, oh my God, I'm really good at photography. I want to be a photographer. It'd be such a glamorous lifestyle, da, 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 da. And I went hard into that. I like had a dark room in my basement and my parents uh, throughout high school. I won a couple of photo competitions and I ended up getting into university for photography at one of the most prestigious programs. Um, for reference, I don't know. I'm in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> so Ryer, I don't know if you know, I'm in uh, Ryerson is, the mo- is one of the, uh, the top photography programs. Anyway, bank made a mistake, paid my tuition two days late, and they waitlisted me and pulled me out of the program. So then, so then I was like, okay, I want to, I went to my backup photography school and that didn't pan out. I'm not going to get into the, you know, the mechanics of that. I ended up going to St. Lawrence College to do marketing. Um, It was an organic transition and that every time I made a shift, I made sure to include the creative parts of me. So like, music to photography, still creative, right? Photography to marketing, still very, very creative based. 
and that was what I wanted to be. And then that, that's where I ended up. And I still wasn't even a social media manager at that point. Wow. I like how you changed creative like outlets, but you still found a way to keep that creativity going. And I'm, I can relate. I uh, played trumpet. I was third chair trumpet throughout high school. So I love band kids. Like you're speaking my language. I think the culture in band is so cool. So <laughs> my mom played trumpet too. Oh, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I think that's incredible. And that's a really interesting part of your story that things didn't really quite pan out, but it still evolved into a place where you are. So let's talk about social media management. Did you, when did you start to find that and find social media as a passion? I went to integrated marketing communications and advertising. Social media was actually a very minimal part of the course back then because it wasn't what it is now. So I get to say how old I am. Yay, I'm 32. (laughs) Uh, So I was around like before smartphones and before anything other than dial-up internet. I don't know how old your audience is, but I mean, like I'm talking, anyway, you look up what dial-up internet is if you don't know and you will laugh. Um, So... Social wasn't a, a focus in the course. However, I kind of just came into it naturally. So I, I'll skip over what I got a job after college. I did that for a year. I left it. I got another job, whatever. Um, when I landed in the actual marketing field, I was doing a job that required me to write social media content, but not in the way that I do it now. So this company was a directory list, an online directory listing. And this was again, early on and like they kind of like hit the nail on the head with that market and they were you know okay like list your business on my website because I get x amount of web traffic right well they had built out this entire events section of the business and were listing events throughout the city for free on their website and then also doing social media promotion and I came into the company and I'm like why aren't you charging for this like because so my job was I was the events and promotions manager so I'm like why aren't you charging for what you're doing because you have so we had an audience of like I think it was like 300,000 between Twitter Facebook and newsletter no Instagram that was not a thing there's no TikTok there's <laughs> none of that and there's no Snapchat it was just Facebook and Twitter and a newsletter like old school email newsletter and uh I'm like I want to try I want to put together packages and make a revenue stream for the business they're like um yeah sure so I did that and it took off and we had like con- like I think cash money. Like I, I, when I do interviews, I say probably like around a hundred grand is what I made them in a year based on a revenue stream that wasn't there before. But what I was actually doing was writing, I was selling Facebook posts and tweets like ad space. So I'm like, okay, we have an audience of 300,000. I will give you one newsletter shout out. I will give you four tweets and I'll give you two Facebook feed posts. And it's going to be 500 bucks. Just as an example, I don't remember what the pricing was. And I went out and I sold a shit ton of that. And, um, you know, uh, like the, the thing though, is that I was the one that was then writing that content. So once I sold the package to the client, then I, then I would write the promo content and send it to them for approval. And then they would say yes, no, whatever. And then I was the one posting and doing the responses and I ran contesting. Like we have one of the biggest contests in Ottawa. Um, and that just kind of was the, getting into it and then what happened was as I was working with these outside clients writing content 
that was not a social strategy in the way I'm doing now, but a sales thing, like buy tickets here, buy tickets here. Right. Mm -hmm. They're like, Hey, we need some help with social. You're really good at it. And we love how you do the auto events page. Would you like to help us with our social? So I had a couple of people ask that I'm sitting there one day and I'm like, all right, I'm going to make a website. I didn't know anything about making websites. So I like go to Wix and Wix was a thing then. (laughs) Um, and so I pull up Wix, I make a shitty website, I throw together a shitty logo, uh, and then I decide to name it Like a Boss because Like a Boss was super big back then. It's coming, it's coming back, but it was like really big, like, oh, like a boss, like a boss. I'm like, like a boss, ha ha ha. This is so clever. I'm so smart. And uh, I, I just like put this website out there and then I uh, went to the CEO and I'm like, hey, by the way, like I've had people ask me to help with social. I'm going to start this like side hustle thing. Are you cool with that? He's like, that's a conflict of interest. I'm like, okay, um, sure. I quit. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I gave them, I think I gave them two weeks notice or it's two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks is what you're supposed to give. Maybe I only gave them a week. I think I was like, not really very professional about it. And I was like, bye-bye. Uh, but I didn't have any income. I just knew that like the fact that he said no, because it, it wasn't the same, like, uh, like a sales tweet when you're selling, uh, um, an ad or a, a tweet or a Facebook post versus creating the post and sending them out on your own. It's totally mm-hmm. different. It was not a conflict of interest because I was going to be helping them with their overall business strategy, not selling their tweets. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have any clients. Um, I had an apartment to pay for. My boyfriend at the time was living in Petawawa. And I like packed up a couple of bags and moved to Petawawa and then got a job selling cars at Honda. <laughs> that went really well for me because I was a young female in a military town working at a dealership. And the only other salespeople were old men. So when the young guys came in, who do you want to buy a car from grumpy pants or me? Definitely me. So I sold a bunch of cars in a really short amount of time. I did really well, but I, I didn't like it. So I ended up going on vacation. And when, when it was time to go back to work, I called them. I'm like, I quit. They're like, no, please don't quit. Like we like, like you're so good. I'm like, yeah, like it's, it's just, it's not like turning me on and I don't like going to work and I dread my shifts and I just, that's not what I need. So I quit that. And then I went full force with like a Voss and my original client was actually um, an hourly. Like she hired me to work for her hourly. I do not do that anymore. If you're listening, you want to start a business. Don't sell your time. You will not get very far. Uh, However, that was how I started. And I did a lot of hours for her. And I think I worked with her for like four years and I had other clients on top, but that was the progression And it wasn't linear in any way and it wasn't thought out and there was no plan. And I just did what I felt I needed to do at the time, which is still how I operate. Wow. I like that story. I got a lot from that. So I have a couple of questions just going into that because I, there's a lot that says about you from that, that I think female entrepreneurs and especially college kids can learn from this. So I want to start out by just your opportunity, like your ability to leave a situation when you don't like it. Like, where did that come from? Because I know a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm in a job. I hate it, but it pays the bills. Um, okay. I don't want to go into like high school trauma and I was bullied and whatever, but like, I definitely had practice in situations like that outside of the professional world. So if I was in a situation that I didn't like, I walked away. 
I've never punched a human. I've never been in a fight. I've never slapped a girl. I've never done anything aggressive to another human other than raise my voice as an ex. We've all been there. Um, but I, I remove myself when I'm not enjoying what's happening. And when I just feel that I need to leave now, I identified that many years later as anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really good at being like, okay, I'm uncomfortable right now. I need to remove myself. And it's funny when I was a college kid, so you guys will laugh. They used to call it pulling a Mandy. So I'd go to a party and we'd all have drinks. And then all of a sudden Mandy would be like, gone, no goodbye. No, have a good night. I just disappear because I hit my point. I'm like, I'm done with this. I'm uncomfortable. I'm leaving or I'm too drunk. I'm leaving, whatever the case may be. Yeah. So professionally speaking, I guess the answer is I just don't want to be unhappy. Um, I like, I'm not gonna, like you have one life and you might as well enjoy what you're doing. And there's money is out there. Money comes and goes, whatever. It's just a tool. It is the goal, obviously, because the more you have, the more fun you can have and the more freedom you have. But I wasn't, you know, expecting to make a million dollars by opening a business. I just knew that I wanted to do something that I thought was fun and I still have fun. And like, I've transitioned my role a lot. Like I'm not doing so much client work these days, but like I get up in the morning and I brush my teeth and I have my coffee and I take my dog out for a walk and I'm excited to go to work. And like, sometimes on like a four day weekend, it's like Monday and it's a holiday. I'm like, Oh, like I really want to work. And I have to like force myself not to because I have fun doing it. And that's like, it's not a mind blowing thing, but like, if you're listening to this, don't do something that you don't enjoy doing. Like it's, it's draining. It's mentally draining. It's physically draining. Everyone around you can tell that you're not happy because you don't show up as your best self. But like, I don't know, I'm having a great time, like doing a podcast on a, on a Thursday afternoon and it's amazing and I'm having fun <laughs> and I'm smiling. And like, this is the kind of stuff I get to do all the time. Right. Yeah. Maybe for you, it's gardening but if you're in a situation, well, whatever you out there in podcast land, or maybe it's you, maybe you're a, 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 maybe you whittle knives out of sticks or something. I don't know what it is. What makes you happy? And if you're in a situation that you're feeling unhappy and you aren't in it a hundred percent. And you're like, if you, if you're questioning, the answer is like, no, like if you've got that gut feeling, you're like, Oh, I don't know. That means no, just saying it means no. Wow. That is such incredible advice. And it's really, I know like I've, I struggled with trauma as well and I have anxiety as well. And so it's interesting that the positives that can come out of it when you have, like, when you learn from it and you're like, oh yeah, now I can do this and look at how far I've come. So it's really incredible that you, you kind of note that, but you grow from it. And it's something that, that made you stronger. And that makes you really, it's a superpower in the professional world that you get to do what you love. I thought of it that way. Um, When I was younger, I didn't know it was anxiety. I didn't know that I was training myself in a positive way, but definitely like going through, like I'm in therapy now and I'm doing like all the self-work and stuff. And I'm realizing like, okay, like I was coping and putting these strategies in place without knowing it. And it's really, really helpful now. Like if I don't get along with a client, they're not a client anymore. I'm like, life's too short for me to feel stressed out when I'm working with someone or if someone, you know, out, reaches out uh, and wants to do work with me, I literally have a 15 minute meeting and I say, let's see if we vibe. And they're like, what? 
I'm like, I'll know <laughs> within 15 minutes of talking to you on a Zoom call if we if we vibe or not. And if we don't, I I have no interest in working with you. Like, sure, mm-hmm. if I signed everyone, I'd probably have way more money, but that's not really what my goal is. That's so. That's really good. Do we vibe? We vibe. We vibe. <laughs> <laughs> good. Just making sure. That's hilarious. Good. Yes. <laughs> that's incredible. Um, I wanted to dive into one more piece of your kind of journey, but. I really like asking entrepreneurs about the entrepreneurial mindset and what it means to them. So what, how do you define the entrepreneurial mindset? So many great questions that are so hard to answer. How do I define the entrepreneurial mindset? Going for it. Is that way too simple? Like that was what came to my head at first. I'm like, that's a short answer and you need to expand more. But like, there's something you said about wanting to play clarinet in the orchestra that is entrepreneurial. You're doing all of the work on your own. You're putting in the hours. Of course, you come together with other people in the end, but you're not like a an, like you're a single entity working with other things. Um, I was the kid with the lemonade stand. I would make like uh, friendship bracelets. I don't know if that's cool for the young people these days, but like friendship bracelets and sell them. And we used to make these like beaded lizards. And I remember... Um, my best friend and I had this bird sale and I came and I had like 20 bracelets, and like 20 lizards and all this stuff that I'd made that was beautiful. And she came with like some junk from her bedroom and I made like a hundred dollars and I was like 13, like that's a lot of money when you're 13 and she made like nothing. And I'm like, okay, well, like let's, let's split it and go to the mall. When you go to the mall with 50 bucks when you're 13, Oh my goodness. Go to our Dean's hit up that 10 for 10 rack. I don't know if any of this is even real anymore. Not something that I do, but that was like the feeling. And like, I prepared, I put the work in, I showed up, I sold all the stuff. And then I went and reaped the benefits of it, which was junk jewelry from our Dean's. That's awesome. And I think that that really relates to your journey of creating like a boss as well. Cause you were like, look at what I created. I'm going to do this as my career and I'm not going to let anyone stop me. That's incredible. That is true. Thank you. Thank you yes. so much. I, I, I still struggle with imposter syndrome. Um, I've done, I've done uh, podcasts about that and I'm like, Oh, overcoming. I'm like, well, do you really ever overcome it? Um, so I am 32 years old. I'm super old. <laughs> uh, just kidding. I'm like 32 years young and vibing hard, but um, I still can't believe that I've been in business for eight years and I cannot believe that I have have five staff and I can't believe that having an internship in my company is coveted in the college and that I'm an alumni um and these are all things that like I don't know I'm a normal person driving around in my jeep like I'm not any different than anybody else but then you have to sit down and really be like wow like I built something I could have failed um I actually I I almost declared bankruptcy one time that was, and like the business was, it wasn't, it just wasn't generating enough to pay some of the debt that I'd accumulated from bad spending. And I went through when I did a consumer proposal and it reset to zero. And so like, like, here's all my stuff. That's worth money. Take it, take it, take it. And I, and I still did not quit. Like I could have been like, I need a nine to five after going. It, so I don't know if you know what a consumer proposal is. It's kind of the same as bankruptcy, but not as bad because you buy off your debt for less than what it's worth. Anyway. Okay. Um, but it, it still resets you. So all your debts vanished. And I could have been like, okay, now that I'm at, you know, ground zero again, I should just go and get a job and get a steady paycheck. I hammered, I still kept hammering away at it. And like, that was the turning point because I'm like, okay, 
I have no debt. I have nothing. I can like really go for this, right? Like I can go full tilt. And I think it was a year after that, that I hired my first employee after just like, nope, not giving up, not giving up, not giving up. Wow. (laughs) That's crazy. That's incredible. I mean, I think that's, that's, that makes me wonder because I know you never gave up, but did you ever doubt yourself during that journey when you, when you did the, when you quit the nine to five and when you started this adventure? So I have been fully self-employed for eight years, except for a one month period before I did the consumer proposal because of, I wasn't, you know, making enough to cover my, my bills. I got a job at a hair salon as a receptionist. This is exactly what happened. And maybe this will be a light bulb moment for some of the people listening right now. I worked my freaking ass off for this business. I was there like full days, eight hour days. I got my paycheck. I looked at it. I'm like, I think you're missing some. And they're like, no, this is how much you get paid. And I'm like, that's this. I quit and like walked out. So I would like trading time for money is not how to enjoy and live your life. I was appalled by what I was given for the amount of time I had spent in the salon. And never again have I worked for anyone else. No way. Hmm. So yeah. when you when you create like a boss, um, without going too much into the numbers, how how do you create value? Do you get value? Do you get paid for your value? How does that business strategy work? So we work on a retainer. Um, we do a discovery session. We figure out the pain points, what the goals are, uh, the target market, yada yada yada. We put together a strategy, and then. Sorry, no, we don't put together a strategy right away. We put together a um, retainer list of deliverables. So we will do A, B, C, D, E, F, G for you for X amount of money. They say, oh, that sounds great. And we say, okay. And then we have another section of the contract that's the onboarding fee. So like all the backend research and everything that we have to do to get ready to actually manage the client. Mm-hmm. And they pay the onboarding fee. And then during the onboarding is when we put the actual strategy together. And then once the onboarding is finished, we start our month to month retainer. And basically it's, this is how much it costs. And these are the tasks that we're doing. And then if they try to scope creep, which means get you to do work outside of your scope, which is your list of deliverables, we say, okay, we're happy to do that. This is the hourly rate for that. And normally they are like, oh no, it's okay. We don't need you to do it. We'll just do it ourselves. Uh, For anyone starting out in the industry that has um, a, a service that they're providing that has deliverables, watch for scope creep. I was really, really bad for that when I started. And I was probably doing thousands of dollars of work for hundreds of dollars a month. Wow. That's good advice. Interesting. Yeah. I think, I don't know a lot about social media management, but marketing is something I really like to do. I started making my own graphics. So I was really excited to start talking to you. Yeah. I do it for my podcast, but like, I think marketing is so interesting because especially with like a Voss, you, you have to cater to what the, what the client wants, but how do you create like freedom within what the client wants and your own company and knowing what the trends are? Okay. I'm sure what I'm hearing you ask is, am I allowing the client freedom to dictate what we are doing? Is that what you mean by that? Okay. Yeah. So (laughs) once the strategy is in place with the client, I tend to work with clients that I have implicit trust in me and my staff. Uh, So when we do the discovery session, we're asking very pointed 
uh, questions to uncover very specific information that we are what, that we need to create a strategy around that business to meet their goals and their KPIs, key performance indicators. Um, once we have taken over the social, depending on whether or not we've outlined in the contract that they are going to be an active part in the management of the accounts, we maintain pretty much full control. And the freedom, quote unquote, that they have is a biweekly meeting in which we present what's been going on, what's doing well, what's not doing well. And then we give them a chance to have input on what we're doing. And at that point they say, oh, well, you know, we saw this post go out and that's not really our style. Or, um, you know, we saw such and such a company doing this one tactic that we'd really like to try. And that's their freedom session to let us know what they, you know, what they think and what they're seeing out there that maybe we're not seeing. Um, but we really do like the client to keep to the strategy because when a client goes rogue and starts posting random stuff that has nothing to do with their goals, like, you know, they can, like say you're you're a, a bakery and you start posting interior design content like is that providing any value to your audience mm -hmm. and how are you you know turning that viewer into a purchaser of your baked goods unless maybe there's cookies on the counter in the picture I don't know mm -hmm. or you're like posting hyper political stuff and you're like you know a business coach well are you are you should you be aligning yourself with with a political stance on your business page on your personal page do whatever you want um but as far as freedom, the client has input, the client has freedom, but we're very much trying to take it off their plate. So our, like, I, I don't even, it's bad. I don't even know my company tagline. I think it's, we free up time for you to do what you do best. So if you're a baker, go bake stuff. Let us do social. If you're a car detailer, go detail cars and let us do the social stuff. Uh, the, the more micromanaging that happens, the less effective it is because you're trying to like appease the client's request, but then you're like veering off of this really nice strategy that you put together. Interesting. That's what I was wondering, just because I could see that happening and I, I wanted to see how you navigated that. So that was a really good answer to my very bad question, very badly organized question. But okay, um, I didn't want to hit on the wrong part of the question, but I, the word freedom stood out to me and I thought, okay, that's yeah. probably what she's asking. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I wanted to learn more about remix as well, because that is more catered toward musicians. And I know you are mu a musician yourself because I see the keyword behind you, but <laughs> let's talk a little bit about that. Okay, Remix is a, let's call it an arm of Like A Voss. So when I started Like A Voss, um, I, wanna, I really, really wanted to go after the musician market. And I had an early on uh, mastermind group basically tell me, go after the money first and let the money fund your passion project. So I kind of set that to the side and I went over the, you know, the high value business clients, obviously not the first years. I took anything I could get for the first five years. But after that, I'm like, ah, you're like, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Um, so I started remix ooh, two years ago. Um, it is different in that the price points are lower and the way that we work with the client is a lot more, um, back and forth and they are a lot more involved because I can't be you as a musician. I can be me, but I can't show up as you on your accounts, play the instrument as you like managing a musician's social account requires a lot more time investment from the musician. Cause you've got to like, say I like, go record five videos. So they've got to do that or record this series or 
send me a list of your favorite songs from other artists or, you know, what's the rollout of your new EP, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so what we do on the remix side is a lot more of the education element. So currently we do not have any clients. Um, musicians are hurting right now because of COVID. Um, we were, we were growing. And then as soon as COVID hit, all the musician clients were like, we can't afford you. I'm like, no problem. Like we'll pause your account or like you're released from your contract. Like I get it. You're not making money right now. Um, so we shifted focus to education. So that's actually my absolute favorite part of my job is I meet awesome musicians from all over the world. And we sit, you know, in a zoom a meeting and it can be, they can buy four hours of my time. They can buy 10 hours of my time. They can buy just Instagram or just Facebook or just Twitter. Um, I can show them, you know, some things about Spotify. Usually I'm just reposting Spotify blogs. So. <laughs> but um, that is me teaching them how to put tactics in place to get in front of the audience that they want to get in front of. And I did a lot of that in 2020. So like uh, on the, the first two quarters, I had some pretty substantial investments. Like, okay, I want you to teach me everything. Like there's one guy I spent like all day. Like we just sat here all day, like get up and had pee breaks. Like, Hey, I gotta go pee. And he's like, all right, same thing. And we just sat there drinking our coffee, having our lunch, whatever. Um, and that was an awesome session. And he actually just got signed. So congrats to him. Catch the rise. He's electronic. He's awesome. Cool. Um, and that is what I would love to like be doing a lot more of is the education element. Um, if you decide that you want to check out like a boss, you'll see that on all our platforms, a huge part of our content is education. So I want to, you know, teach you what I know. Um, and so that if you, if you want to do it yourself, you can, right. We're about community building. So my company focuses on organic growth, not paid advertising. I don't actually have any clients right now that I'm doing paid for. I've had maybe three or four total. I don't like it. It makes me not feel good. So I just try not to do it. Um, but, uh, the education, I guess that goes back to me wanting to be a teacher when I was like seven to 10 or seven to 13 or whatever, but that is, Primarily what Remix's focus is right now is teaching you how to show up on your social media in the best possible way to get in front of your fans, get listed on those Spotify playlists, maybe get signed, you know, you know. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I really like that. And I think you're using that music. The music always comes back. I noticed that for myself too, but you're, you're finding your passion within your business in a unique way, which is really cool. That's very well said. Very Thank eloquent. you. <laughs> Thank you. I wanted to touch on one thing. So I know you have really cool values at like a boss. So I'm going to list them out. It's um, lead with your heart, authenticity, vulnerability, community engagement, never stop learning and have fun. And you talked a lot about the education piece. You have fun every day. Um, community engagement is huge. I love that that's a part of your business. But let's talk a little bit more about authenticity and vulnerability, because I feel like on social media, a lot of people like to hide who they actually are. Can you touch on how you, why you chose those as part of the like a boss values? So that is part of me as a human being. Uh, we did an exercise with the whole business and each person wrote down values. Um, and that came up a lot. That was the first one that came up for me, authenticity and vulnerability. I have an interesting relationship with social media considering I work in it. I did the whole present the best possible front scenario for a while before I was actually working in the industry. And then upon coming in, I'm, you know, 
in out there engaging with so many different people, influencers. And I found for the most part, and no offense or anything, I just think it's super fake. Yeah. And oh, look how great my life is. And I'm like, nah, girl or man, like it's just not like it's not realistic. Like, have you seen those memes go around and it's like you see like the final photo and it looks like a an airplane window and then they zoom out and it's a woman holding a toilet seat driving in her car like that's the stuff that actually people actually do like that's a real thing that people actually do to try to present this false front um and I don't like that and I don't like working with people that like to do that so I'm gonna talk about my Instagram right now go follow me on Instagram it's Mandy Relia Voss I like the outdoors and cooking and sourdough bread I'm awesome. Okay. But here's the other thing. None of my photos have filters. None of my photos are edited. I do not touch my body in any way. I do not touch and edit my face in any way. My teeth aren't whitened. Now they're white professionally, just not in the photo. <laughs> um, it's me. It's really me. I, I don't um, take 50 video cuts and then splice them together to make it perfect. When I do video content, I do it. I give myself three chances. So if I, if I screw up two times, no matter what happens in the third take, that is what I post. That is my rule. If wow. you don't, like, for me, if I don't do it that way, I make way too many, you know, oh, that wasn't perfect. And oh, whatever. It's like, no, just, just do it. If you stumble, it's fine. If you say the wrong word, laugh it off. Uh, I laugh a lot in my content. I'm like, <laughs> I mean this, I think I've done that on this interview already. Um, but I had, and I, I love that I get to say this. So I had a, a St. Lawrence student come or not come uh, do an interview with me earlier today at the end of the interview. Uh, so she confessed that, you know, she had found me through St. Lawrence alumni and when she was living in Brazil before she came to Canada and she was following me for a really long time. And uh, at the end of the interview, she's like, oh my gosh, you're the exact same person. Like you are the exact same as you are on your, your Instagram. Like, I cannot believe we just had a one-on-one. Like, I feel like we're besties. And it was so nice. Like it was so, and my heart just like ripped open and I'm like, oh my God, really? She's like, you're like legit, like you're the same. And like, that's so rare. And I really appreciate that. I didn't feel nervous coming to this interview because, you know, people interview a CEO and then you're, they're all nervous and shaky and they come in and I'm I'm sitting here like dropping F-bombs and saying (laughs) shit. And like, I'm like, my hair's a mess and I'm wearing pajamas. No, I don't wear pajamas, but like, that's just who I am. And like my mm-hmm. excitement, as you can probably hear is really genuine. Um, and the vulnerability section is kind of what I have come to terms with over the past, I'd say I've been doing self work for like four years. I've been taking it really serious for a lot less time. Um, I've been in and out of therapy uh, for various different things, but right now I'm kind of realizing a lot of trauma that I experienced and I wasn't aware it was trauma, how I process that in everyday life. And, um, if you follow my Instagram, hint, 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 <laughs> uh, I share a lot of mental health related stuff. And I, I really try to make my account positive, but also inquisitive. Um, you know, like I, like one day I'm like, you're the best, like, I'll, you know what I mean? I share like the, mm-hmm. the good humans only content and the, my yeah. anxiety content, you know, those, right. I see that a uh, lot on your feed. I really like those. Like I look through yours and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so good. <laughs> so that and and that's part of the vulnerability because I'll like I'll give you a little hint which I'm sure you don't need a lot of that is what I'm processing through like when I'm sending out the you're awesome and you, you whatever I'm I'm talking to you I'm also talking to myself 
Yeah. Right. If I'm having a real shit day and I see some, you know, like motivational content on Instagram, I'm like, yeah, you need to share this, like share this with everybody because there's someone out there that feels like you today. That's going to make them feel better. Yeah. I completely agree. I think, yeah. I think well, Instagram has been good though with that. I think there's so many more anxiety, po- uh, anxiety profiles now that you can reshare. I've noticed that a lot. Well, I don't know if you've watched Social Dilemma, but depending on what kind of content you engage with, that's what you're served. So if you are actually seeing a lot of anxiety related content, it means you actually probably have it and are engaging with it because it's meaningful to you because <laughs> your oh. feed does not look like any other feed in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Like, like no chance. Interesting. So it's basically serving up to you what they think you want to see to keep you on the platform longer. That's the entire thing behind social media. And if you haven't seen the, the documentary, watch it. It made me feel shitty about myself as a human being for like three days. And I was oh. contemplating, I was like, okay, so do I want to propagate this ridiculous industry that is turning us into the product and da, 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 da. And I thought, you know what? I'm still just showing up as me and being authentic. And we're, regardless of what evil things are lurking in the background, maybe people like me will make it less evil. If that makes any sense. Interesting. Yeah. In terms of the algorithm, is that why you maintain such strong authenticity? Um, I wouldn't say the two are related. So the algorithm is, um, is what values your content. Mm-hmm. So if you post something and it gets 15 comments and 200 likes and five shares in the first day, Instagram's like, Ooh, high value content, serve, 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 serve. So it's going to serve it up. Um, the authenticity portion is literally just, I don't want to be fake. And I don't think that authenticity on Instagram helps the AI to see you in any better way. It's just that when a human being comes upon your, your content, they will resonate with that and they will like that. And then due to that, the algorithm will serve them up more content of yours because they resonate with you, right? Because mm-hmm. the AI, it's just, AI is just math and programming in the back end, right? But mm-hmm. if I'm talking to you and you like me and you like my picture, you're going to see all my shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's so interesting. I know so little about social media being like a person like I've had Instagram since I was 10, but I still don't know anything about it. Like it's, yeah, I'm so young. I was a, I'm a 2000s baby. Oh my God. So <laughs> for those of you listening, you should have seen my face right there. My mouth dropped open and I'm like 10. Like I didn't, there was no cell phones. There was no smartphones. There was no social media at all. I had yeah. Facebook when it like first came out. And I'm yeah. only 32. Like that's how new social media is. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's, I really like though the authenticity part and I just got certified as a yoga teacher and even in yoga, which is really vulnerable. It's something that you're supposed to come, like you're supposed to show up. Yoga's welcome to anyone, but people are so fake online. And it's so interesting, like being in that space now, I'm like, oh yeah, I still can't do a proper downward dog all the way. I'm not that flexible yet. And I don't want to show it on Instagram. And I'm like, wait, I need to show this. Like I need to be myself as a teacher. It's interesting. If you are, if that's what you want to pursue and you want to do social media that way, maybe that's your thing. Name yourself the real yoga teacher. And show all the shitty things that no one sees and how it's hard for you. And you're not a, you're not perfect. And even if you're certified, doesn't mean you're that flexible and yeah. show the bloopers and the funny stuff. Don't present the polished, perfect image. Cause there's like what 
probably a million other yoga teachers out there doing that exact same thing. So the thing with social media is breaking away from the flock. And yes, I just said flock. We're all, (laughs) we're we're all flocks. It's flock of sheep, sheep, right? All right. I think so. I thought birds. I thought like Canada geese. I don't know why. Cause you're from. Well, anyway, when you're following the herd, a herd of sheep. Yeah. Now I sound super dumb. So when you're, when you're following the herd and you're doing the same thing as everyone else, it's really hard to stand out no matter how much hashtag research you do, no matter how much amazing content you put out, because guess what? I've seen it a hundred million other times. So if you brand yourself as the real yoga teacher and just show all of the screw ups and the funniness, do you know how much more that would resonate with like 90% of people? Oh, I'm like, you know, a 32, let's just say me, if I had kids, a 32 year old mom who wants to get into yoga is super not flexible, kind of maybe a little out of shape. And I'm watching this perfectly, like perfect body, super flexible yoga teacher. And I'm like, I'm never going to be her. I give up. I'm done. Whereas I, then I find someone real like you and I'm like, oh yeah, she gets to do it either. Oh, I've got this. This is going to be great. See the difference there when you're relating to people on a human authentic level, like it's not perfect. And I would much rather take yoga from the teacher who's like farting and laughing and making a joke of it and, you know, not being able to do the position and being like, Hey guys, like, I'm, you know, I'm still new here too. Like I'm trying, let's see if you can do better than me. Make it, you know, make it you. And I thought, you know, if that's part of you, that's just like a random example. Maybe I just made a really cool brand on a podcast. I literally think you did. I'm I'm impressed. That was incredible. (laughs) So yeah, when you, uh, when you get that handle later, just uh, yeah. give credit to me for the idea. Okay. I will. I'll, I'll run, like... I'll run your social media. <laughs> I'll be like, please follow like a boss. She helps me out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Incredible. That's hilarious. Okay. I want to talk a little bit more about how you set goals because I saw that you set smart goals, but this is something that I really like to talk about. So how do you set your goals? You should not be asking me this because guess what? I have an HR person for that. Oh. So when I was struggling uh, to set goals or mm-hmm. rather maybe achieve those goals, I was finding that I was stuck inside of the working in the business, working on the business, managing the employees, doing the finances, trying to, you know, sign clients, doing lead gen, like all, all of the things, all of the things. So I heard an HR person to just literally like remove it from my place. And she came in and she's like, all right, we're all doing smart goals. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> and she's like, oh, this is what it is. And like gave us like a sheet and she did like a little like seminar thing. And then all of us, including me, the CEO wrote out our smart goals. And she's the one that manages all of that. I don't know anything about it. I don't even know what smart stands for. Specific? Measurable. Specific, measurable, measurable. Achievable. Okay, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to pull this up. T is time. Okay, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and timely. And for those listening, I just pulled up the blog that we just wrote on that and read it off there because that's how much I don't know about smart goals. That's so smart. Yeah, I just hired someone to like manage that for me because you can't do it all. And although I'm a great leader, I think maybe my team that's listening to this later will roll their eyes. Ha ha ha, guys, (laughs) love you. Um. This is very much in her wheelhouse as a human resource manager, right? And I fall into the employee section of this. So when I set a goal, she's like, hey, Mandy, what's up on your goal? Have you, what have you done? How's your, like, 
how are you measuring this? Well, so when I do this exercise, she checks in with me so that I'm accountable as well. Because being the the leader, I, I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do this. And then you just do none of them because you're not setting up the, the smart goal process. So if you want to talk to someone cool, you should bring Kim on the podcast to talk about human resources management. <laughs> That's so interesting, though, that you were able to notice that that was something you wanted in your company. And then so you brought someone in. I think you, there's a common theme in, in your business that you were like, okay, I need this. Oh, I don't need this. Get out. Like, I'm done with yeah. that. And you're just able to know you have a lot of self-awareness. I do. I'm really working on that, too. Yeah. Um, I've turned from like a a rigid kind of bitchy whatever or to like a super self-aware like loving kind this is a transition from like emo-ness oh my god you should yes. see what I look like when I was like in my emo prime it was sweet no it wasn't um but like you know get letting go of like the the teenager like anger and rage yeah. and all the things that you know hurt me back then and then transitioning into like oh well, I'm having fun partying when I'm young and whatever and then like transitioning in the working world but now I'm at the age where it's like okay I'm still young. I still got, I still, I still got some pep with my staff. My business is doing well and I've got some money to spend and do cool stuff. What, what else is missing? So now I'm processing my, my trauma from like all of those past years of being like, oh, this mate, like, like you even outlined one of them. Like, oh, like the fact that, you know, this happened to you helped you remove yourself from anxiety. Well, I didn't know what it was, but I'm aware enough to know that what it is now. Um, you know, I know the anxiety is a little bit of a buzzword, but like, I think they just kind of put put it in the forefront. And then all of us that have been experiencing, we're like, Oh my God, that's what it is. Well, I just thought I was fucking nuts. Yeah. <laughs> that's so true. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 Incredible. Interesting. Oh, I had a question, but it just flew my mind. That always happens. Okay. Well, anyway, in terms of anxiety, um, let's talk a little bit more about that because that's something I struggle with and that's something a lot of people my age struggle with. But going into the professional world, like how – I feel like it's becoming more relevant, but can you touch on why why it's important that we talk about it in the professional world? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it a little bit out further and I'm, I'm going to preface it with mental health in general. Yeah. Um, I mean, anxiety is in the forefront. I have some staff that experience anxiety and we as a team are extremely open about our needs. Um, so much to the point where I was so proud of an intern. I think it was last week. Uh, he came online and he said, hey, I'm feeling really, really burnt out. Um, would it be okay if I took this afternoon off and made up the time on Friday after I have a little bit of time to just relax and like veg I'm like oh my god thank you so much for owning that and asking me you of course 100% can do that like none of the tasks that he was doing were timely or whatever um and we support each other in that way I have someone taking next week off because she said hey um I you know I want to do a little bit of work on my business she's trying to launch this year and I'm feeling really drained and really burnt out and my, my anxiety is extremely high. Can I have the week off? And I said, okay, give me a plan of how you're going to reassign your tasks and how you're going to make sure that they get done as she did. And she's got the week off. Wow. Doing that in the workplace, it's not so much about, you know, having the conversation or whatever. It's about actually caring about your employees. You know how much the working world has shifted because of COVID? 
like the thought of having a child on your lap during a meeting was, oh my God, no freaking way. And at the beginning of COVID, people like had their office door closed and the perfect background and they were all like suited up or whatever. And now it's like, oh, like kid on one leg, dog on another and like typing on their computer, showing up pajamas, messy hair. Because at the end of the day, like it's not about the way that you look. It's about the, the, the incredible work that you do and someone who's being seen and heard and is able to take care of their mental health will be a better employee for you. My business grew during COVID. Want to know why? Because my employees and I had an open line of communication about what, like we literally for the, the first like five months, we had this graphic that we would share every week. I'd be like, okay, like, how are you doing mentally? And it would be like, red is I need support and yellow is this. And we would share this graphic in our Slack channel. And if someone answered with like the red, I'd be like, okay, how can we support you? And then they would literally like explain exactly what they're going through and be like, I could really use this. And we use that as a tool to help build each other up and help each other get through that really tough time. And like we've mm-hmm. transitioned it a little bit into more of like a, uh, a winning scenario. So like what made your week? is our mental health check-in. So at least once a week, you've got to go in and like say something that made you really happy. And even something small like that, you Mm -hmm. say you're having a bad day and I'm like, Hey, what's a great thing about your week this week? And they're like, Oh, I, my, my dog learned how to sit or I'm getting a puppy, whatever. Or uh, I got my car wrapped or, you know, I got these chocolate bombs from this cool baker down the street, whatever it is, you know, um, and then, and then they focus on that positivity for a little bit. And like, that can carry you through a lot. Mm-hmm. Anxiety specific. Um, I have tools. I do like the breathing thing. Mm-hmm. I do the removing myself from the situation thing, as we've already discussed. Um, I do affirmations. And for me, that's just a way to kind of like calm the brain down. So if I'm feeling like, for me, there's a couple of things that really induce anxiety. So like a client email with like a negative subject line or something I interpret as negative, I spiral like freaking mad. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm getting fired. Oh my God. I'm like, no, Mandy, you're, you're good at your job. You're good at your job. You're good at your, it's literally, you guys can't see this, but literally I'm going to show her a sticky note that says you are amazing at your job. And that is on my, on my desktop. And when I'm feeling anxious at work, I stare at it and I like repeat it until I'm like, fine. Um, little strategies are important. And then when it comes to, if you're a boss and you're listening to this, or if you want to start a company, it's not about being a buzzword or, you know, what any of those things It's literally about truly caring, actually caring, not I, oh yeah, I care. Okay. What are you doing to show that you care? Um, like I, like I had a friend that was experiencing some turmoil in her relationship and I read this amazing relationship book that I can name drop later. Um, and I bought her a copy of the book and shipped it to her house. And she's like, oh my God, like I got this book. I'm like, yeah, that's for me. Read it. Maybe it'll help you. And she called me crying. Like, oh my God. I'm like, because I actually give a shit about you. And the book really helped me and maybe will help you. And yeah. it's, 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 yeah, it's about actually caring. Like, like be kind, like actually caring. I can just say that a million times, but that's, that's really Okay. I have a question. It came back to me and it's a really good one. Do you believe empathy is learned? Ooh, I'm an empath. No, I do not. Okay. Interesting. I think that it is a inherited trait. Um, I don't think that people that are not true empaths can under, can ever understand what it is to be one. I'm talking about the kind of thing where like a friend of yours is experiencing 
uh, a turmoil that is un unvoiced and you spend time with your friend and you feel like shit and you went in feeling great and you're like why do I feel so shitty like I came over here in such a great mood and you're actually like vibing off their energy and you're assigning their energy to your that's what it means to be an empath so if like if I'm in a room with you and you're having a really bad day I'm having a bad day doesn't matter how good my day is going I'm like she's having a bad day I'm feeling all these feelings she's feeling um I don't think that's something that everyone has and I don't think you can learn how to do that I think that's just like a visceral like this is just who you are as a person um I've met very few true empaths but I can recognize it immediately because I come in, I'm all bubbly and happy. And then they're like, they meet me with the exact energy. And then something happens and I get all sad. And they're immediately, I'm like, oh, you're an empath. They're like, what, a what? A what? <laughs> I'm like, okay, look it up. It's, it's, it's a stressful existence. I will tell you that. I spend a lot of time by myself, a lot. Like to the point where someone's like, hey, you want to hang out? I'm like, are you in a good mood? <laughs> they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I'm in like a really good mood today. And I'm just like here with my dog. My dog's always happy. And the energy that comes off her is amazing. I sound like a crazy hooky whatever but it's, no, it's don't. yeah <laughs> I'm a yoga teacher but, I have crystals in my room like you could say anything and I'd be like oh okay cool <laughs> yeah so no I do not think that it is learned do you think it's learned I think the way I used to cope with it I I don't know if I'm true empath but I know I'm very receptive to different people's energies like when I got home from my yoga teacher training I could feel the energy of my dying fish like it was really weird really spooky. Yeah. It's real. It's really spooky. And so I think I had trouble accepting other people's pain and like reacting to their own pain. But I think like learning how to react is learned, but I think the energy itself is not learned at all, which yes, you actually yes. just defined for me, which is really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just little nuggets that I don't yeah. even know I have. Yeah. So I have two more questions because we're running a little bit short on time, but I wanted to talk okay. about um, hiking because I know that's one of your favorite things, like being in nature. And that's one of my favorite things too. Do you know where the boundary waters are in Canada? No. Okay. No. It's like a place in Canada and the U S and I spent 23 days there without a shower, like hiking and portaging. So you can go off. <laughs> oh, I just want to hear about that. Why don't you talk for a bit? Because, okay, so, okay, I'll give you a little quick one. So when I was a kid, I did this adventure program. It was seven days, but it was a, a canoe based. So my experience with hiking is dragging a fucking heavy canoe and lugging equipment over a portage. And That's I'm like, portaging. Oh, no, 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 it's terrible. And I was like, I'm never hiking. It's gross. It's so shitty. And then I came to BC uh, for the first time in 2019. My brother's like, we're going to go hike a mountain. I'm like, oh my God, like whatever. So I pack up this bag and we go and I'm like, oh, this is easy because it's, it's an ultralight backpack with ultralight camping gear. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so awesome because I'm used to like, you know, lugging the freaking canoe and like mm. all of the big coolers that are like a hundred pounds. <laughs> so I got, so like I, camping has always been a big thing. Canoeing, kayaking has always been a really big thing. Backpacking to me was very late. So I, I got introduced to backpacking through my brother who moved to BC um, and I'm like obsessed now. Like all I want to do is go backpacking. I want to go like as far out into the backcountry as I can. I still, you know, want to do kayaking, canoeing and stuff, but I literally yesterday bought all of the things that I need. So I had previously had a, um, a backpack and I previously bought like a puffy 
And what else did I have? Oh, I bought my tent around Christmas. I got the Slingfin Portal 2. Be super jealous. Look it up after. Oh my God. Um, and then I got all the equipment yesterday. So literally I can pack up a bag tomorrow. Oh no, wait, I don't have my, I don't have my quilt yet. I'm waiting for my quilt slash sleeping bag. Okay. But uh, anyway, camping, love, hiking, canoeing, love, backpacking, hiking. So hiking is also a different thing because it's just like a day bag. Um, I I had hiked previously, but it's different in Ontario and um, BC. Ontario is kind of flat and BC is like, mountains and like mountains everywhere and everything's beautiful right so I went from like hiking like you know like sea level hike on a little bit of elevation and back down to sea level and like Ontario is full of bugs the worst bugs ever another deterrent and then I go here and I'm like oh my god there's no bugs oh my god there's mountains I get to like <laughs> gain elevation and like go back down again um I am the most excited ever to explore for the next few months I literally closed down my entire business every Friday. So we work Monday to Thursday just so that I can go on two night overnights in the backcountry. That's literally the only reason. That's yeah. incredible. Can I work? So all my staff only works Monday to Thursday just yeah. so that their boss can go on a two day hiking adventure every week if she wants to. That's crazy. They call that weekend warrior, right? I think that's what you're calling. I, have, I don't know if there's a term for it. I just, I think it. that's a term. Weekend- Weekend warrior. Okay. Oh, I got a new thing. I'm a weekend warrior. Awesome. Yeah, that's incredible. I I want to get more into hiking. I think my dream is to do the Appalachian Trail or the Pacific Crest Trail, but I love like that. You saw did you read Wild? Did you read Wild? Yes, of course I read oh Wild. My God. I'm just like, oh my god, do this. So that's like my goal, but I'm gonna give myself a couple years of like testing it out. And I'm actually gonna because once you do a month. She did like four months. It's a long. Four, oh yeah, four months. Oh, that's right. Sorry, it's been a while since I read the book. So like, I don't think I can screw off for four months. I can give myself a month. But I think that would be, you know what? We should like meet up and do the Pacific Crest Trail yeah. in like a year or something. Heck yeah. I need someone to Dude. go with me. That was like, I don't want to go alone. Like that's a little too much. Like I, I would do it with someone else. So if you ever need someone, I will be there. I just bought a new tent. I'm ready. <laughs> nice nice what kind of tent did you get um it was at rei so it was like the light backpacking bundle or whatever so it came with a tent and a backpack not a backpack a tent a cute little um sleeping bag and then like a couple other things so it was nice because is rei like mountain equipment co-op in canada yeah okay i was like what's rei but i think i've like gone on the website a a few times and been like oh this is us dollars yeah Yeah, so (laughs) Yes. Go take, I know when I talk, it's like, oh, it's 400 bucks. No, it's 600 bucks. So be oh thankful that you, oh yeah, dude, the exchange rate is like 1.277. It's ridiculous. But when I charge clients in US dollars, I get a nice little bump on it. <laughs> I love that. That's incredible. Oh, That's too, so funny, funny. Yeah. too funny. Yeah. I'm in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I should probably should have prefaced that, but if you've ah. heard of the Green Bay Packers, that's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah. 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 There's more. I'm not a sports person. I'm a music person. Oh, fun. Okay. Well, I have one final question. I hate to end on this because we had such an amazing conversation, but, um, going places originally started as a travel podcast. And so I kind of stay true to my roots in the final question. It's a tough one, but if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you not go? (laughs) Where am I not? Oh, geez. Where would I not go? 
That's really mean. I know. <laughs> oh, well, okay. I'm just going to throw a name out there. What's that place that has a really weird name that was in that movie? K- Kazakhstan. There you go. Oh. What movie? Uh, Borat. Oh, oh my yeah, god, yeah. you're young. I was like, you know what Borat is? No, like, I Borat was when I was like mid 20s. Yeah, okay. Stan, right? Yeah. I know nothing about Kazakhstan. It could be the most beautiful place in the world. That was just the first thing that came to mind that I, <laughs> I came. My honest answer to that, honestly, is Japan. Um, but it's just because it's way too, like, it's not naturey enough for me. I don't want to go. No, it city. is, right? It have is naturey. Like, yeah, they have like big mountains. Their like snowboarding scene is amazing. Okay, wow, I just got put in my place real hard. <laughs> Shit. Can't keep <laughs> that out. No, I'm kidding. No, it's all good. That's hilarious. Yeah, but no, that's a tough question. I always ask all my guests, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know any places that I can think of that are like gross. Malaysia? Yeah. No, people like, people spin it back to me and I'm like, I can't answer this. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, like you, you can go into a poverty stricken place, but then find beauty in it. And I think that's kind of how I look at it. Like you don't have to go into the slums and hang out with whatever. You can go off the beaten like path and find beauty. So I think that's a very, yeah, that's a really good question. Thank you. You have, you, okay, have you heard of the show? Um, just one more thing before I let you. <laughs> no, have you heard of the show Hot Ones? no it's a youtube series and this guy gets celebrities to eat hot wings i did a video of it on my instagram if you want to it's really funny there's like 13 or there's 10 sauces and they get hotter and hotter and hotter and as they're eating it he's asking them questions you have a really great interview style you should check him out because he's a really good interviewer too and you might like pick up a little like that like when he's doing the questioning they're like how did you know that? Who are your researchers? That's such a good question. And these are celebrities, right? Yeah. And he's finding these things that no one knows about. They're like, whoa, like no one knows about that. Like, how did you just ask me that? <laughs> and that's a kind of, that's what it reminded me of when you asked that question. I'm like, oh shit. Like, that's a really good question. I don't, I don't know how to answer that. Yeah. Well, thank you. I really appreciate everything you do. And I learned so much about social media. You're killing it with like a boss. You're killing it with all you do with authenticity, with mental health awareness. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. This was such a fun convo. Of course. I enjoy it. I love these. And like whenever I interview entrepreneurs, it's so much more fun when they're so open and they're so authentic. So I really appreciate you just showing out. Yeah. I agree. Thank you. That was my interview with Amanda Relier Voss. I really hope you enjoyed our conversation. She really has so much to bring and she's so authentic in her work as a CEO of like a Voss social media and all she does on social media and just working with authenticity, with mental health awareness. I really enjoyed our conversation. She has so many amazing pieces of advice for college students and people interested in marketing and social media. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to look up Amanda on all social media platforms. She's also at likeavossmedia.com, I think. And um, please feel free to leave me a review. I honestly listen to you guys and I really appreciate all of your feedback please feel free to reach out to me on social media as well you can find me on all social platforms and yeah I'm around thank you so much for tuning in I really appreciate you and I hope you have a wonderful day thanks I can't wait to see where you go bye